Ephesians 6 verses 10 to 18. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all of the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all of the Lord's people. Amen. Now, the reason why I've read you the scripture is because over the next few episodes, we're going to be talking about this spiritual armor and weaponry that all believers should have available to them in this crazy spiritual battlefield that is the world we live in. The aim of this series is to demystify and make the armor and weapons that God has provided for us simple to understand and, quite frankly, easier to use. I'm Jaden, and I'm going to be your guide as we equip ourselves for the coming victory. Welcome to God's Armory. Hello, everybody. Welcome back again to another episode of Reconnect. This is the official English podcast for Shincheonji, New Heaven, New Earth, Church of Jesus. And it is really a pleasure to have you here. My name is Jaden. And if you've been following along, I've been your host for a few episodes now. And so it's really great to have you back again to talk about God's Word. What we've been doing here on the Reconnect podcast, we've been examining the scriptures and understanding them through what the scripture actually says. Meaning what we're trying to understand here is the truth of the scripture, what the Bible is really talking about. And there are many episodes here, so please, if you haven't, go back and catch up on on some others that you might have missed. But today we're actually going to finally conclude our mini-series about the armor of God, or God's armory. It's all I've been talking about for the past few months, right? So it's really great to be able to reach the conclusion of this one. And we've covered a lot of topics here. Some that have been really interesting for me to talk about and explore. And I hope that it's been the same for you as well. Whether you're a new believer and these kind of things are a completely new concept to you. I hope that they've been a a brand new useful tool to add to your toolbox, your spiritual toolbox to become one who's closer to God. And if you are very new to the scriptures, then I encourage you to reach out to us and to sign up to one of our online Bible studies that we have. We have Bible studies in groups, one-on-one, all that can be catered to your spiritual needs to be able to know and understand God better. But maybe you're a seasoned believer (laughs) 
And but still, either way, I hope that looking at these tools that God has given us, the armor and the weapons, that we've been able to sharpen, sharpen our weapons, sharpen our swords, to make them more effective as we fight this spiritual battle. So, of course, we've taken all of this from Ephesians 6, and actually, I'd like to go over briefly each of the the topics that we've covered because it's been a lot and all of them have been really valuable and important for us to live a life of faith that can withstand the enemy and overcome and be victorious with God. All of these things God hasn't written down with no purpose, no meaning. No, God's written these down so that we can really take it to heart and, and apply them and use them. So I'm going to quickly read from Ephesians 6 and starting verse 11 here. I'm just going to read it again because why not? (laughs) Let's get filled with the scripture. It says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Right, so it's really talking about we're in a spiritual battlefield here. This is a spiritual war. That's the war that each of us are in, no no matter where you are right now. We're in the spiritual war, and God's here saying, look, these are the things. This is the armor. This is the weaponry. Use these, and you can overcome. So in verse 13, it continues to say, Therefore put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything to stand, Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled round your waist. And that was our first one, wasn't it? Our first episode in this was about the belt of truth. And it needed to be buckled round our waist. And we talked about, well, what does a belt actually do? (laughs) Stops our pants from falling to the ground, right? So the belt of truth is something that stops us from being caught in our nakedness. And we looked at, well, well, what what does it mean for having our nakedness revealed? It's something that's even talked about in the time of Genesis. And I'm not going to kind of repeat the episode here, so please go back if you, if this is all new to you and you want to listen and know more about this. But having the belt of truth, you needed to know and keep the standard of truth, right? Keeping and knowing the standard of truth, that helps us to make sure that we're not caught naked. We're not caught without the word. We're not caught, you know, siding with Satan, essentially, and and be shamed because of that nakedness. But rather, if we are with the truth, if we have the word of truth, I will always be on the side of God, meaning that we'll always be clothed, right? Clothed with that truth. Whereas next up in that verse, in the same verse, it says, with the breastplate of righteousness in place. And we talked about how the breastplate is what protects the heart, (laughs) Right? Righteousness, knowing what God's righteous acts are and how they are revealed, that is what protects our heart from evil, from Satan getting in there and deceiving us to, to believe something else. Right? So our heart is the place in where God's word should be written. Hebrews 8 verse 10 to 12 lets us know that. God says, I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. Therefore, we need God's breastplate of righteousness to be able to protect our hearts. After that was the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In every generation in the Bible, God has made promises and kept them. And if we know how God fulfills his promises in the past, and if we learn from what God has done previously and the mistakes that people have done in the past, it can protect us from missing the boat. (laughs) 
like so many did at the time of Noah, because they didn't know how God's promise was going to be fulfilled, or they just didn't even believe it when it did happen. So, because we need to be ready to move and act when it's time to do so, then that means we need to be ready. We need that readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Ready that when God fulfills His promises, I'm ready to move. <laughs> I'm ready to be there. I'm ready to be in step with God. Verse sixteen says, "In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith." Right? The shield of faith. Shield is what protects us by hearing the words of Jesus. And witnessing the fulfillment of God's promises through the gospel, this is how we can center or anchor our faith to more than just the words of people. You know, I I grew up as a Christian. I grew up in a Christian household, and so when I was growing up, I mean, that's just the reason I believed. My parents just said, "This is what it is," <laughs> and I just believed it. What else was I to do, really? And I grew up in an environment and a community that was like that. So, what else would I have believed? But when I started to get older, then that's when I got confused because that foundation is actually quite shaky. If it's only because what people have told me or the words of people, then what happens is that words of people start being different. <laughs> the words from my parents, the words from friends, the words from you know, it, still talking about God. The the things my parents say about God, the things my church said about God, the things my friends said about God. They're all starting to be different. So my foundation starts to shake. <laughs> I no longer have a very good shield. It's a shield made up of of sort of three parts, and it and it comes comes apart at the joints. Whereas if we are able to anchor our faith in the Word and in the fulfillment of God's promises, this is no longer the words of people joined together or the thoughts of man, but the Word of God. Right, the faith that we can have from hearing the word of, word of God. This is the shield of faith, which in verse sixteen it says it can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. So just as how God's offensive weapon is the word, Satan's offensive weapon is also is also his word. Right, his his lies, his deception for us to get confused about God, for us to believe things that aren't true about God. But if we have that shield of faith, then that's no longer a worry. We can extinguish those flaming arrows. On to verse seventeen, it says, "Take the helmet of salvation." This time, the helmet being what protects our head, right? By gaining a first-hand, thorough knowledge of God's word and acting according to it, we are able to make the transition from just being a spiritual warrior to actually a spiritual winner. When God's battle against the enemy, against Satan, is finished, it's going to be finished. Then it's the helmet of salvation that is changed into the crown of life. Salvation is our end goal. First Peter chapter one verse nine says, "For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls." So it's the salvation that is our goal. So this that helmet is protecting us until we get there, and then that helmet will turn into the crown of life. You can read more about that in Revelation two as well. The second part of verse seventeen in Ephesians six says, "The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God." That's what we looked at last time, right? The sword of the spirit, the word of God. That is our knowledge of the Bible, including the history, instructions, prophecy, and fulfillment recorded in it. When understood as a whole, it's the weapon with which we can demolish strongholds, arguments, and take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. That's what you can find in Second Corinthians chapter ten, verse four to five. Okay, that means we're left with 
the final puzzle piece of this chapter in Ephesians 6. And I'll read it for us. It's written in Ephesians 6 verse 18. It says, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Amen. And so prayer. Prayer is this final part. It's not really given a particular analogy to, to an armor or, or a weapon, but I'm, I believe we're already very familiar with the idea that prayer itself is a weapon. <laughs> Maybe you've heard people say that, you know, prayer is our best weapon or prayer is our defense. I don't know, something along those lines, I feel like that's quite a sort of common thing that, that one might hear. But this is what it says. It says to pray. But it says something very interesting here. Pray in the spirit. Pray in the spirit. <laughs> kind of an interesting phrase, isn't it? Pray in, in the spirit. Actually, in John 4, verse 24, it also tells us that we sh should worship God in spirit. It says God is spirit, and his worshippers must worship him in spirit and in truth. So then what does this mean, this in the spirit, in spirit? Well, we have to go back to, well, what, what is spirit? <laughs> what is spirit? Right? John 4, verse 24, the, the verse I just mentioned, it says God is spirit. And in John 1 verse 1, a verse I'm sure you're familiar with, it says that God is the Word. So God is Spirit, God is the Word, and even John 6 verse 63, the Spirit is the Word, <laughs> right? Having the Word means to have God's Spirit, because God is the Word. Just as Jesus Christ was the Word made flesh in John 1 and 1 John chapter 1 as well. It says that Jesus Christ was the Word made flesh. So we who call ourselves Christians, we need to be like Him, which is the Word made flesh, the embodiment of the Word. Not just words on a page, which has no meaning if left on a page, but we need to become an actual reality of that Word. And this is the central focus in the whole New Covenant and a point that was made in our last audio blog episode in which Nikki and our team over at asitisinheaven.com, which, by the way, please go and check them out, asitisinheaven.com. They made it in the episode titled, The Importance of Being Sealed. So definitely go check that out. Also, in Matthew 12, verse 24 to 27, uh, Jesus taught us that the words that come out of our mouths reflect the thoughts of the heart, essentially. The words that we store up in our hearts are reflected in the words that come out of our mouth. So what we feel in our spirit is going to be reflected in our word. Which means what we hear in God's word, that is also coming from God's spirit. Have you ever wanted to listen to God? Then, then let's listen to the word because that's where God's spirit is contained. Alright, and so, and so back to this topic of prayer. A prayer is talking. Talking to God. And normally when we pray... I mean, normally when I pray, I don't, I'm not sure about you, but my first instinct is usually to ask for something. God, I need, I need help. Please help me with this particular thing. And well, actually, the word for prayer, the English word for prayer, comes from a medieval Latin word for petition. Right? So it's a sort of implore or request or plead with someone in a formal way. Of course, when we say pray now, it's most often used in a religious context, but it's usually asking. Prayer is asking for help pleading with God for help. And doing something in the spirit 
Vras means doing it in or in line with or according to the Word of God, which is God's Spirit. And so, how is this a spiritual weapon? Well, there's multiple purposes of a prayer, actually. Firstly, well, yeah, we're talking to God and we're asking for help. God, please help me. We all have our individual situations, right? We all have our requests. Even in Ephesians, it says, pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. But not only are we asking God for help, but when we pray, it's also kind of a way of meditation, a way for us to reflect on ourselves. When we pray, it gives us a chance to hear, well, what is actually flowing out of our own hearts? What is actually coming out of my mouth and going to God? We should be listening to that and thinking, well, what is the condition of my heart? By carefully assessing our own hearts, what is it that we feel strongly enough about to bring before God? Right? That's how we can kind of see or assess the condition of our hearts. So yes, we're, we're asking God for help, but also we're able to look at ourselves as well when we come before God. Well, then how about praying in the Spirit? How can I pray in the Spirit? How can I pray according to the Word? There's a great scripture in 1 John chapter 5, at verse 14. It says, This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of Him. Amen. So it talks about praying According to God's will. Well, then how can we pray according to God's will? How can we know God's will? Where, where would we find God's will? <laughs> if you were to ask someone, if someone asked you on the street right now, where can I find God's will? <laughs> what would you say? Would you say, oh, it's just up in my head, mate. <laughs> would you say, oh, it's actually, it's in the Bible. It's in the word. God's will. If you want to know God's will, it's going to be in the Bible, right? Meaning our prayers should be according to the Bible. We should reflect the Word of God in our prayers. We should think about what kind of petitions, what kind of requests are we bringing before God. Have we read the Bible enough to know what kind of requests God accepts or what things He says to not worry about? Maybe that not worry phrase might trigger a memory, a memory verse. It was a memory verse for me a long time ago. Matthew 6 verse 31 do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. God already knows that we need those things. But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. There's something so interesting here, because obviously it's our desire to pray for what we desire. I'm like that all the time. The things I most desperately want to bring before God are the things that I really desire, the things I really want. But actually, if we pray for what God desires, and if, if our heart is in line with what God desires, then when God's desire is reached, then our desire is attained too. That's the amazing thing of this verse. If we put God's kingdom and God's righteousness first, then all these things will be given to us as well. So then why bother putting our hope in our own desire? <laughs> which may or may not be fulfilled. But if we put our hope in God's desire, then not only will that certainly be fulfilled, but then God will give us what we need as well. And also in regards to prayer, let's talk a bit more real here. I mean, let's, the times, especially for me, I'm sure for most of us, 
maybe all of us, let's be honest, the times that which we are most drawn to prayer is often when we're facing difficulties on a personal level that we feel we're unable to overcome by ourselves. These difficulties could be anything. Relationships, emotional situations, stress at work, difficulties or financially difficult times. And you know what? These situations are all perfectly okay to bring before God because God wants us to overcome in all aspects of our lives and we need to be in a healthy place too. God knows these things and, I mean, He's our Creator. (laughs) Being our Creator, don't you think He understands? He surely understands. So what we need to be aware of is that if these things are taking up the majority of our focus and if they are the primary focus of our prayers, perhaps our hearts are not actually in the best place when it comes to our walk of faith. Just like how the words that come out of our mouth reflect our heart. So if our words and our prayers are overwhelmed with our own situations, then that's the condition of our heart as well. When we notice ourselves slipping into this kind of pattern, it's time to sort of readjust, reset our focus. And and two verses that really help, it's the verses that I was just reading here in Matthew 6. Matthew 6, 19 to 21, Matthew 6, 33. There's lots of great verses about prayer here. If I can read Matthew 6, verse 33 again, it says, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. If we find we're being driven to prayer as a result of being consumed by emotional or physical difficulties, it may be time to stop and pause for a moment. Let's ask ourselves, where does our treasure lie? What are our true priorities? It is absolutely okay to not be okay. (laughs) But remember that God promises us that in the end, everything will be okay. No matter what difficulties we're facing right now, As long as we seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, then all these things will be given to us as well. How can we seek God's righteousness? By seeing and believing the fulfillment of His promises. We don't need to legalistically beat ourselves up for making mistakes or allowing our focus to slip. But when we do notice it, we can just gently guide ourselves back to His word and His plan even listening to those who are helping us guide us back to his work and plan. Doing this is a powerful weapon in our spiritual battle to overcome within ourselves. I'm sure you're very familiar with that verse in James, right? The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. That's James 3, verse 16. So today... We spoke about prayer and looked at it from the end of Ephesians 6. And Jesus gives us a great example of this in the prayer he taught his disciples in Matthew 6, the Lord's Prayer. Over the next few episodes, we'll unpack this prayer verse by verse and have a look at what Jesus taught us to pray for. So until then, please stay prayerful, (laughs) stay in the Word. Let's really keep our mind and heart focused on the Word. And if there's anything that you want to know more about in the Bible, if these things are really triggering something in your heart that leads you to want to know more, please reach out to us. As I've said many times, there are Bible studies available for you online. So it doesn't matter where you are in the world. We can all be those who listen and understand this Word and become those who overcome in this spiritual battle, the spiritual war. 
My name is Jaden, and thank you so much for joining me on today's episode of Reconnect. We'll see you next time. Thank you.